Idly Odly Podcaster Ray knows what is going on. Welcome to the Maham McCann Podcast, a weekly philosophy and lifestyle podcast exploring deep topics for personal growth and development. And this week, I've got a great chat for you with Irish actor, IFTA Rising Star award-winning Irish actor, Paddy Gibson, uh, star of the upcoming film The Portable Door. Uh, he's involved with the OA, The Passing Bells, Before We Die in 2021, What Richard Did, tons of exciting stuff. And this was just such a fun conversation. We really just had the absolute crack, to be honest, talking about acting, empathy, playing evil characters, overcoming fear. Lots of cool shit, man. Him reading Ulysses, having to narrate this, like, outrageous piece of work by James Joyce. And it was just such a good time. Um, I know you're really going to enjoy it and have a good laugh. So click that follow button on Spotify and you'll get updates every time we upload a new episode. I hope you enjoy this one. Bo! <laughs> Paddy Gibson, welcome to the podcast, brother. Thank you. Thank. You. I was expecting you to do yeah. the uh, the intro. It's a bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Highly holy podcast, right? <laughs> I usually do it before, technically, but I suppose oh, it's really magic. Slip it in. Really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is all behind the scenes. God damn it! I need to try and look professional. Um, but how's things? How are you, man? I, I we've been having so much crack. I forgot to even ask. I know. I'm good. I'm good. I. Uh... I think what's been going on. We were just, um, I was just telling you how much I love the podcast, but uh, where am I? Yeah, I've, I've moved into a new uh, a new apartment, which um, turns out was the biggest nightmare I've ever experienced. Moving a house is, uh, <laughs> is yeah, such, not good. Such a pain in the ass, but I'm here. I'm very, very happy to be yeah. uh, in a new space. I'm living, living on my own for the first time, which is... Um, it's interesting. It's definitely sick. And were you emigrating as well, or moving like somewhere kind of yeah, well, far away? I, and... I moved. I like emigrated as far across to the other side of London as I possibly could. Um, but yeah. I was uh, I was in Australia then for for the last few months. So that's sick. yeah for I think four months, five months. Um, I suppose with acting, you probably have to kind of travel around a lot, do you? Or are you kind of set dependent where you got to go? Yeah, yeah. You, you, where the work is a little bit. Pretty much, you end up in some in some mad places. Australia was definitely uh, one of the one of the better ones. <laughs> you're, you're like, <laughs> really? <yeah. laughs> you're like, oh, you're going to Scunthorpe for four months. <laughs> you're gonna have to yeah live in a trailer yeah. for the whole time. <laughs> Um, and what were you doing in Australia? Was there a particular production or? Yeah, I was doing. I was on? doing a. Um, it's this mad. It's like a fantasy adventure comedy film. Um, yeah. The Henson Company. I don't know if you know them. They they did like Labyrinth mm. and those kind of iconic like eighties and nineties movies. Is that like Jim Henson, yeah. the guy? Yeah, exactly. Puppeteer kind of guy. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, he's pretty famous. Who I was. I was also a mad fan of. I think I watched a documentary when I was younger about mm-hmm. the creature shop and how they like come up with all the all the different creatures and stuff and uh yeah yeah so it's like basically harry potter mixed with the office 
um, the UK one. What? It's like weird. I know. It's, <laughs> no, <that's, laughs> hang on a second. <laughs> that's the that elevator pitch. Definitely not what I was expecting. Yeah, no, it's, man, it's absolutely nuts. Um, and uh, Christoph Waltz plays like my boss, um, who, I know I can't give away any spoilers. Um, but this is, is it called the portable door? The yeah, possible door? yeah, yeah, the portable door. Yeah. Um, so and then Sam Neil plays like my my manager. Who's I was gonna ask you, man. I saw me. I saw a photo. I was like, that's the guy from Jurassic Park. Yes, holy shit, man. He's oh my god, such a legend, an absolute man. Yeah, my girlfriend would actually cry. She literally watches Jurassic Park every week religiously. <laughs> no it's way, like her favorite movie. Oh of my all god, no. and I was like, listen. <laughs> Paddy might know a guy, all right? <laughs> yeah. But he was great. He, uh, <laughs> I remember we had this like, at a scene where we had to do a kiss, and I don't even know why he was about. <laughs> I don't. Him? Yeah, I don't know why he was there on set. He was not in the scene. He's nothing to do with yeah. it. I think he just he just <laughs> wanted to wanted to either make me feel intimidated or see see what the what the skills were saying. And he came up uh, after like the first take, and he was like. You know, when I did my kiss with Laura Dern, um, the way I did it was... <laughs> I was like, mate, Jesus Christ. What? To be fair, he did have some good like, tips. but in, in Jurassic Park. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> not great for the confidence, but thanks, Sam. That's, man, top tips. Like, yeah. Do you ever get starstruck in situations like that? You're probably moving with, like, some really interesting crowds and meeting so many people. Like, how do you feel about it yeah you i mean i do it's but then it's always like weird weird people that i'll be starstruck by that nobody else really cares about but like something yeah, really neat they're cool to you yeah like, yeah but mm. uh, definitely uh I've, i find more when like going into the first scene or like the first day of a scene with somebody um of like yeah of a certain caliber uh for me i, I just always i'm always like fuck i'm gonna I'm going to end up because it's such a collaborative process that when you're working with people who are, I mean, by definition, just far leagues ahead of you, sometimes you feel a bit stupid, like trying to collaborate with them. But, you know, but that quickly goes yeah. away. But you just don't want to like mm -hmm. step on someone's toes and be like, you know, do you want to uh, when you say that line, should should we do this? Or, <laughs> yeah, like you just. Yeah. Uh, I suck at acting, right, man. Literally. Why did I ever do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um. But yeah, that's interesting because it's such an immersive thing with acting. Like I've done some acting classes I did in Belfast for a while just to like try it out to just kind of like get a feel. And I absolutely loved it, man, to be yeah. honest. I really found it so fascinating how you could get so absorbed in it. And so like kind of give performances or give like, you know, stuff would come out of you that you didn't even realize was kind yeah. of going on or you could step into stuff. Do you think nerves gets in the way of that? Like, how do you deal with? A situation like that where you feel kind of maybe you're not sure how do you get into it definitely i think that's mm. it's funny like i remember hearing tom hanks saying and this is like recently saying that his biggest yeah. thing was overcoming self-consciousness and nerves and anything like that i mean i think we're pre-programmed as soon as you have a camera put on you you become self-conscious and there is definitely i think when you watch somebody who's manage to overcome that and I think there's loads of ways of doing it and I think trying to tackle self-consciousness itself is almost that's I think that's one of those things that kind of makes it worse or like when you when you try and battle nerves um and I find the same with stuff like anxiety but 
if you, I feel like shifting your focus. I can't remember who it was who was saying it, but there's a an acting teacher, maybe Larry Moss, who talks about. I mean, we only have the capacity to focus on a certain amount of things, and it's pretty limited. And if you just fill your mind with the inner imagery that the character would see, say if you're talking about like you hit somebody with your car and you're telling yeah, that story, really if you rather than focusing on yourself and like, oh shit, I feel nervous, I'm a loser, like I'm not, I'm not good at this, all of those things <laughs> yeah, that just like the, the voices yeah, going just, on that that uh, occupy the mind most of the time. When you uh, when you start focusing on like inner imagery and um, and yeah, like the the backstory or um, he talks about like what ifs, which is you'd, you'd replace say you've never hit somebody with a car, but maybe you could imagine your best friend lying there in the road and any of those things that then starts to and it's something kind of actionable. You can be like, now I've got to focus. That that was something that helped me. Um, but it's funny. It's still like I, I, my favorite thing about working with people who are experienced as well as you kind of realize that they have all the same shit. Like they're, they're struggling with all the yeah. same things, which is really Tom comforting. Hanks. Yeah, <laughs> no. And it's like, it's like, oh, great. But also mm. kind of depressing as well. Cause you're like, fuck, you haven't gotten over it either. Like that's, that's interesting. Yeah. That it's humans all the way down. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit. There's like, I really thought somebody would have just like yeah. figured this out. Yeah. It'll be fine. There's, there's a thing that they um, say, like when you, uh, when the camera turns around and it's on the other person um, and you're both kind of having your close-ups, all your best work is when they turn around and the camera's not on you. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I've asked him, I was like, do you guys get that too? And he's like, every fucking time. (laughs) Man, you just get, yeah, yeah. you're absorbed. But that's, I suppose that's kind of the thing about acting as well. There's such a like, you're the focus of it, but also you're kind of part of something larger than yourself a lot of the time. It's like, he can't always just be the... I guess even if you are the star of it in some sense, because you're playing a role maybe as well, it's like the character is something else. Mm-hmm. Do you find that like when you're learning about a character, you're getting into them, is there something that draws you to specific characters? Because like, I suppose writing characters from yeah. my perspective, they feel like alive to me as a separate kind of entity. So I'm always interested like how actors kind of, you know, change personality in a sense or change like chameleons totally i yeah i mean like what you're saying with uh with the writing thing when it kind of it's that weird it's like you tapped into something else that i'm sure when you read some of your stuff back you're like really that was me like Like, where did that come from this is shit (laughs) (laughs) i thought this is way better than like man i gotta stop smoking this shit was crazy (laughs) yeah you're like this is wow um but yeah i mean but when that i think when that when that really does happen like um, I think with acting, when I read something that someone else has had that experience, you have this weird, like subconscious, it doesn't happen with every role, but like something that, uh, resonates with you, you'll, you'll kind of pick up those breadcrumbs that somebody else left. And it might not even be in the words. It might not be that the character says, this is how I see the world or this is how I feel about the world, but something about like the whole thing you kind of when it's well written you you like absorb that and uh that's i think that's what's like really exciting about good writing and and stuff like that is it it's not really uh it's not like you have to create a character you don't sit down and go like how do i walk how do i talk you kind of just read it enough times and you absorb what's already been put in there and then you add obviously yourself to it as well and that kind of 
thing that's like the really satisfying that's kind of what you chase and it's not it's not always there um yeah well <laughs> i'm sure you gotta have to work with it what you get yeah, a lot exactly. of the time um but that's an interesting point i mean the it kind of what reminded me there or what popped into my head was subtext and the importance of like it was always a transition from going from writing prose to writing plays and screenplays and stuff it was like you don't really have much subtext in prose at all like mm-hmm. it's just kind of I mean, it shouldn't be just on the nose, but with plays and stuff, I quickly realized that the actors have to have something to grab onto. Like there has to be this kind of undercurrent of something yeah. like that's what the acting is in a sense. And if you if they don't have that, it's kind of like, you know, there isn't much to work with or there isn't yeah. really any way. What any, are there any scripts you've worked on that you thought were that kind of grabbed you like that, that had like, you know, you kind of felt that flow or kind of got absorbed into it yeah it's it's weird and i don't know why it's it's for some reason it's often been like really fucked up characters that that happens easier <laughs> yeah. with and i don't know what that is like why it's, yeah. but uh uh-huh. there was there's a couple i did i did this i did a play that i and i never done a play before um mm-hmm. it's it's by this writer lynn nottage i don't know if you've read the play it's called sweat it's class play it's definitely sweat. recommend reading it Sick. um she got i think she won like two pulitzers um one for that and something else yeah she's she's unreal um but something about that i think that character had like a lot of vulnerability but then covered it up and i think that that's always like a, been an interesting thing i found both in like reading and, and in, even watching stuff and just as characters that are uh find relatable I think I find that easier than a character who's openly vulnerable, but at the same time, also easier as a character who's just like a, a you know, just kind of a dick or like, just, you know, <laughs> yeah, just like a straight up asshole. Just a bit, bit of a prick. Yeah, like, you're yeah. like, who am I in this? Yeah. Oh, I'm a prick. I mean, that, that character goes from being, <laughs> it, it's set in a bar in Pennsylvania and uh, mm-hmm. his best friend is, um, is like African-American and his, his mom is as well. And the guy they're like as close to like brothers as you can be they're so so tight and um and there's uh kind of racial tensions in that bar keep uh kind of getting worse and worse and then eventually um this massive incident happens and then you see both of the characters in the future and uh my guy become like a white supremacist and uh is just like like deeply troubled, aggressive, um, a complete psycho. And I think just being able to see that transition and how far somebody can go and just knowing, like, if you pass that guy in the street, you'd never know, like, all of those beautiful conversations they had five or ten years ago, and you'd know, you know and vice versa. Yeah, like that kind of, ooh, that's an eerie feeling, isn't yeah. it? Like, that kind of, you don't know. And there's something there, like, playing, so that's kind of a character that's kind of like become evil or become corrupted mm-hmm. or has like, um, and how, when you play a character like that, do you feel like, cause you, I'm thinking of like Heath Ledger and the Joker, maybe that's a bit of a strong example, but yeah. um, it just feels like you have to kind of go there in a sense. Like you have to feel a bit of, you know, that was something that interested me in the little bit of acting that I did was playing unpalatable characters yeah. that you wouldn't normally play. But then trying to be, it's something about writing that's fascinating as well. Yeah. You have to kind of do give the devil his due. You have to kind of, you know, 
do it properly but that also is kind of like hey i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't agree with this but no 100 you know, like and i think you how do i go there it's weird because it's there's a like a strange catharsis in it and it's for some reason mm. it's i guess any um extreme form of expression is satisfying like inherently you know even and even even yeah, really good like like that ecstasy is like amazing as well but and and going to that other extreme of like the darkness um and i think i don't know i feel like i kind of sound like a wanker being like you pay a price for it but i do i do think in some in some terms like as i would understand yeah. that to be honest even in the little bit that i did kind of messing around you could see how it would kind of you have to absorb a lot i think to do it like you do yeah kind of have to lose yourself in the role there was a the a part that i played this year well, i actually started it pre-pandemic um mm-hmm. we did two weeks in in la i was playing like a an irish meth dealer who falls in love with uh with this young girl she's like an underage girl and uh mm-hmm. they get a they're both like heavily addicted to meth it was mm-hmm. it was really intense <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we did we did two weeks Fuck. and then uh, it's mad man like i'm getting like yeah beaten up by like 300 pound like rappers with face tattoos and stuff it was absolutely <laughs> mad and i was just and you were just like why would i get myself into yeah, this remember, honestly i was like shit i chose the wrong job man <laughs> so i was like just a scrawny fella yeah going around going around la acting acting like a madman um but we did two weeks that was one of the that was one of those times when it was like both moments of just like pure elation and and you're so inside of the you're not even thinking about the fact that you're playing a terrible person anymore because that's also kind of something that you have to Mm. modulate i think especially in something like that if you ever before the film is finished if you ever start thinking if your own morality and your own judgment um starts having any bearing on the characters then you're kind of in dangerous territory and at the same time if you start thinking what people will think of you or it or you know if i go this far with it people might think i'm really like that or like anything like that i think that's kind of the death to it's any... just kind of a losing game isn't yeah. it like you can't really get around that and there's something really interesting about that like it reminded me of socrates when he said like everybody thinks or sorry it was aristotle everybody thinks they're good you know right if right. you every if you go to every prison ever like you ask the person who committed the crime they'll tell you why they had a reason for it yeah. and that it was actually a good thing to do and like we all do bad things but we think they're good all the time yeah and that's kind of a a way of like your external morality you're having to kind of turn it on its head and that's maybe what it's like for everybody is the kind of fucked up thing like i've never thought about it that's, I mean, but yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. i mean yes kind of, there's hmm. yeah i think we uh we justify everything that, and also i think you often hear people say i did what i felt was right at the time and whether that's like in the future that, that that they realize like that's completely not it. It's so rare that people make a decision because they want to hurt somebody or they, you know, like I think for the most part, even uh, like deception or, you know, anything mm. like that. Uh, 
well, that's what they say. Like you lie to yourself first mm-hmm. and you kind of, yeah, it's terrifying, man. The more I've learned about myself as a person and about like psychology and embodiment and philosophy, there's a thing that I talk about sometimes called relevance realization, which is basically like how human beings solve the information problem. So there's too much information at any one time for us to sort out. So instead, what we do is we cut it down and you reduce it, but you don't do this consciously. So you reduce it by your personality as a way of like filtering the world. But the problem with that, that makes us really adaptive so we can act and live in these complex environments, but it also makes us self-deceptive. So Mm. for to understand one thing, to have like a heuristic of say, you know, that in this situation, I always do this, that creates a blind spot beside it. Uh, automatically so it's like to know something makes you automatically not know something wow. <laughs> which is the, wow. the old socrates buzz well yeah but like because they, they just say like enlightenment is the final acceptance of being like i don't know just pure like will mm-hmm. or willful ignorance the opposite of willful awareness of will oh, awareness of ignorance right. maybe but um it kind of yeah it does it's it scared the willies out of me anyway learning <laughs> in terms of how much like I just don't know, like, and how much I'm kind of, you're always like, um, you know, we're so primed to think we know. Mm-hmm. We're so primed to map everything out, to justify things, like you said, to make stories about people, to make assumptions. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much going on that we're just like, completely over the head. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's completely it. And, I th- and also we, I mean, we create the story of ourselves constantly. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the satisfying things about acting is you, you get a controlled environment in which to do that and you get to start over again every time. And, um, it's, it's, it's not that unfamiliar of a feeling, I think for, for a lot of people doing that anyway. Um, but yeah. And and I think those stories, uh, that we kind of continuously tell about ourselves, or the one, the one like thread that we think is, is us or we consider to be me um they're like often pretty limiting i think it's easy to uh like you were saying about about nerves or something like that if if, i think i spent a long time having made a decision where i was like i'm not very confident in certain situations um but it was really the the maybe confidence or whatever or the the nerves that was probably an issue but then making it part of your identity and calling it something and saying that that's me and 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 that that's kind of what what becomes the issue like i felt like i, I went skydiving recently and i had like a really clear example of that which was fuck yeah and i was my biggest fear was <laughs> i was like i just think i'm gonna get in the air and then i'm gonna be like oh man what like what is that the time oh fuck i really want to do this as well this sucks i got oh, man, i'm just not feeling did you ever see well. peep show where where mark's doing the bungee jump he's like i'm too hungry <laughs> You can't make a hungry man jump. It's not right. <laughs> that would you, probably be to. my excuse. Yeah. But, and like, I think the, then when I got to it, it really, my idea of my own fear was so much bigger than the actual fear was, um, which made me Ooh. conscious of maybe how little I actually know myself and my reactions to things. And mm-hmm. yeah. And just that kind of story wasted 
two days shitting my pants about something that wasn't even scary at the time <laughs> when I did it. So, Man, yeah. I would definitely, I'd probably wasted a week or two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But that's, there's an interesting thing about fear. Like I kind of tried to figure that out in boxing really where mm-hmm. like you'd be going in to spar people and stuff and maybe you've got some guy who's just going to kick the shit out of you and it's going to be like, you know, it's not going to go so well. So yeah. you have that fear, but the fear is internal to you. It's not his, like it's not somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like where you realize with the skydiving even that it's like the fear is in me. Mm-hmm. It's not in the, although there's plenty to be afraid of there. But um, I mean, I don't know. I'd rather it, that than get in a ring with someone. I mean, in this, I was yeah. stuck to another man who was actually comforting me, not <laughs> about to beat the shit oh, out of really? me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Maybe I could do well, boxing yeah. if I could have like a fellow who was as brave as that lad behind me. A guy on the back yeah, kind of like throwing jabs over the top. Like, um, but there was something you touched on a few seconds ago that I actually wanted to say to you, which is like um, something about empathy, about these acting roles, building empathy in like a real way that makes, do you ever find that then? Yeah. Like you can see reflections of it in the real world, maybe. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think, um, I, I think there's, I mean, there's something that, is inherently satisfying about knowing going into a conversation and actually knowing what the other person's thinking there's like a direct line of communication um and then kind of adding on that the thing you know with empathy is most of the most of what you're doing with with the acting is not sort of cognitive you're not thinking in words or anything you're kind of just feeling things and when you know what the other pe- person is supposed to be feeling and you know exactly what you're supposed to be feeling, it's a very kind of satisfying thing. Um, and I think you'd probably know from doing philosophy as well, um, as soon as you have to kind of play the devil's advocate or as soon as you have to go down the rabbit hole and things that you would otherwise dismiss or be like, that's not my viewpoint, I don't agree with that that's i don't agree with that behavior whatever it is um you definitely come away from that with like a new found perspective you might not necessarily respect somebody who behaves in say like an abusive way or anything like that Mm -hmm. but i think you definitely do gain in an empathetic way you gain like an understanding and a Mm -hmm. that's why they behave like that and Although you can condemn the motivations yeah. or something like yeah. that, you can kind of see the human, the human side of things. It's something I think that gets lost a lot nowadays. Unfortunately, yeah. I think social media kind of inflates it, where we're all kind of like just on the other side of a screen or something. Mm-hmm. So it's not that real, but like it's kind of you can end up in all sorts of messed up positions as a person. It's really like such not a perfect science. Yeah, <laughs> or just kind of like just kind of evolved apes doing dumb stuff yeah but, um, but that's what i think what just, honestly the, what, what yeah. i loved about the this show and, and and like anyone who who i've been listening to on it and stuff is uh that there's not necessarily like a dogmatic um approach to any of it like you know the morality any of those things unless we question them ourselves and we uh we give space to to other people to question them then because without doing that then we kind of end up with the world that we have a little bit on social media which is people shouting each other down um like yeah. virtue said you know all that stuff where really uh nobody's nobody's gaining any more empathy and nobody's learning anything from each other really because 
Um, yeah. And you realize, I suppose, how hard empathy is as well. Like something that like going through an experience like playing a crystal meth dealer and, you know, having to walk in those shoes in a certain sense. You know, most people, you don't really go to that much effort. Like a lot of the time, I think we call empathy just like making up a story about somebody in our head and then deciding that that's who they are without even really realizing it. And there isn't like the kind of theatrical process necessary. Like guy said to me before about writing, that writing is professional empathy. And I was like, what? I was like, and then I kind of thought, and I was like, I guess you are sitting around imagining being other people all the time. And that's something that I just couldn't, I couldn't do that in that capacity as well. That's, I think that's fascinating that you can, because really I focus on one individual at a time, maybe in a week I'll do a few auditions and stuff, but for the most part, like I'm, I'm honing in on one person and and kind of getting as detailed as possible, being able to switch like that and, and, and write and have them talk to each other because like, I think acting is relationships, (laughs) like acting's not me saying something to somebody else. It's what occurs like in the space between everybody that's the most interesting that's really interesting the space between people so in terms of like a relation because that's what i think is interesting about podcasting Mm -hmm. is the same thing like i think the conversations themselves are oftentimes just a way of getting something else going like i talk about the logos a lot and that Mm -hmm. kind of like the interrelationship between people where you can start to feel kind of the conversation takes on a life of its own and there's probably something like that in acting as well, like kind of a flow yeah. that you get into. I th- I mean, I think flow is like, flow is all of it. Um, yeah. Definitely. Are you into flow? Like the whole yeah, well, Chicks and Mahai? And... Yes. What's his, is it Mila? Um, uh, yeah, Chicks and I know his last oh, name is Chicks and Mahai. Chicks and anyway. Mahai. I've never known well, how to say that. <laughs> oh man, I, I only heard it online. <laughs> it looks a lot I harder to say. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, 14 it's not, syllables. I, I didn't learn it through reading, frankly. <laughs> but um, he actually died recently. I think. No way. Um, yeah, oh, man. man, he was well, in his eighties. I was halfway through. I just I left the book in a pub uh, like three days ago, which is no, really right. annoying because I was still at the sort of like <laughs> yeah, sociological shit. aspect of it and none of the practical stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I was like really God, looking forward damn. to being like, okay, this sounds great. Now, how do I do it? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and then it, but I think God. man, there's so many, so many fascinating things in that, and and it it, it is. Uh, like I, before reading it, I would I would always kind of compare the acting experience to like meditating in in terms of you, you have to have deep focus, but there can be like no tension in that focus, and you you can't. Yeah, you just kind of have to constantly return to to what it is. Like you know, if something like uh, self consciousness or, or anything or doubt or anything like that, or what you're going to have for lunch, if that comes into it, you have to re kind of recalibrate. Um, and yet be completely open to anything that's going to happen and, and going to be thrown at you. And responsive to yeah. it. And like, yeah. in totally in, absorbed in the moment, but also like prescient enough and lucid. to yeah. keep doing it. Um, that's so interesting, the correlation there. Between, this kind of reminds me, I don't know if you listened to one with me and my dad, and he was talking about uh, Zero in ninjutsu. Right. So he's been very involved in martial arts, but he talks about this in terms of street fighting. Oh, right. So he says like when you get into a street fight, there's like a moment where you can kind of like sabotage yourself before you fight, basically. Uh, and he says, this is kind of where you win the fight. And he relates it to the logos as well. Like these uh, like three seconds that you can almost get into like the the flow state, but you initiate it in the fight. Wow. And then that's how you win in a sense. This is kind of like a self-defense thing, but he calls it his zero. And it's very similar to that where it's like oh, a focus without thinking, uh-huh. but also 
that's aware but not self-reflective but also aware of oneself yeah yeah wow that's mm. that's so sick and it's a crazy correlation no but, no but that i mean yeah, I, it's like that's fascinating and i think anything um i just think like any i feel like there is a thread that runs through every discipline that i don't fully mm. understand but i think um there is they're sort of not as different um as as they appear on the outside um and they yeah and because they're all human beings doing them yeah, i suppose I mean, I kind of, yeah, yeah exactly do you ever listen to your man stephen kotler he um the flow genome project oh, yes yeah yeah i he kind of took on chicks and high stuff that was like, yeah i remember um, signing I up i wanted to when i was do i was doing a show in new york and i wanted to uh who was i was listening to <laughs> i was listening to a lot of that i said jason silver Remember that lad? He used to do yes, the shots of he's ball. Yeah, he's the man. He's like, the man, dude. You know, the like, infinite reflections of the universe. Oh and, you know, and I'd be there, I was like <laughs> 19, being like, Jesus Christ. This guy and, rules. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I found out about mushrooms by that point, so. <laughs> yeah. There's one where he's talking to a baby. Oh have my God, I've seen, seen that. that. And he's like incredible. telling the baby, he's like, you have been incarnated <laughs> yeah. in the world and you are a being. And the baby's like, oh, what's going it's on? amazing though. He's so cool, um, but yeah, that was the first time I kind of heard about flow, and then I hadn't. It, it yeah. kind of came back to me. My mom gave me that book, and it it sort of came back to me. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fascinating, and and just the fact that like him talking about the experience of a rock climber, say, or like you say, the experience of your dad mm-hmm. baiting cunts street on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was uh, when he told me that what I was like, what? <laughs> This is class. Um, How the hell did you figure that it, out? It is, and it, it's definitely. Uh, I think what's interesting is, like you say, the um, the the defining factor between success and failure, and it feels like it comes from a very mm. similar place. And that's what's yeah, uh, that's a yeah, that's what's that's what's mad about it, and 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 you feel it, and I'm sure, like I've done like a little bit of like bouldering and stuff like that, or, or music is definitely something where it just has the same like essence to it it feels the same when it's going right it feels the same and i think acting the thing that's so appealing or that's kind of kept me in is i don't know if you remember in that book they have the the there's like a graph of uh skills to um oh shit what was it it basically to stay in the flow state you're either like anxious and you're out of the flow state or you're bored and like skills versus challenge is on the the like y axis yeah. so when the when your skills increase Whoa. the challenge has to increase otherwise you'll fall into yeah, boredom get... and if your skills well, this aren't... is man that is so interesting because there's a big thing um like in terms of that meaning being located at the edge of your competence like where you are where is meaningful like when you're a kid stuff's really meaningful because you're kind of at odds with everything Mm -hmm. and then as you get more skilled it becomes boring but then as you push out further it becomes meaningful to you again and that this like flow and meaningful state is kind of at the edge of where you can go exactly that's actually you know the yin and yang symbol Mm -hmm. that's what the s stands for in the middle of it no way it's like the border between the known and the unknown between chaos and order oh man and then that's where the meaning is oh just yeah, crazy shit. But, um, I don't know why I was just like, about to look up to Google the yin yang symbol. Like, I know what that looks like. What is it? Like, is it like, like look at it and be like, oh, there it is. There's the board. Jesus Christ. 
It was here the whole time, <laughs> right under my nose. But that one blew my mind. Remember, I can't remember who I heard. I don't know if it was Carl Jung talking about it or something, but wow. um, it's big in alchemy, that kind of thing. The, oh, yeah. The edge of the known. Yeah. But and it's kind of what it, I always thought, that, I mean, I think it's so hard to talk about acting and to, without falling into cliches. And, you know, you always hear every actor's like, I've just always looked for a challenge in my career. You know, I, I want the next thing I want to do yeah. is a challenge. And I realize now, like, that's kind of... I mean, for a long time, I was like, fuck a challenge. I was like, it's all too challenging. The whole thing is a challenge. <laughs> yeah, a challenge. It's too hard. And I guess yeah. you do it for long enough and it still is like that. But now, like, mm. like doing the, the portable door thing, that was, that was like straight comedy, which is terrifying for me because, really? yeah, it just like, I think with drama, if, if, if you, if you're doubting yourself, or you're not quite sure what to do in the moment. You just you get a little bit quieter, and you just kind of be like, you know, I mean, I guess, you know. And then everyone's like, yeah, it's great, it's fine. In comedy, like you've got to like double down and be like, well, hey, here you go, here's the and, and yeah. like the 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 feedback is so much clearer. Like if it's not funny, like it's just not funny. <laughs> they don't like it. Yeah, you know yeah. right away. Yeah. Like, and you kind of was that the first comedy kind of movie that you'd done, or that you'd... pretty much. I mean, it was definitely yeah. it was like the first kind of leading. Yeah, yeah. Um and definitely like with the most kind of pressure behind it. Um mm-hmm. but it, it yeah, it was satisfying. It was like it was it was a a challenge but kind of yeah. felt like felt like one of those things that like you say it was just kind of on the edge of was moving you forward. Yeah. And I guess that must get trickier because like I mean you've done so much stuff like I was researching you um looking up stuff online and so and the amount of things that you've been in for such a short space of time like going back to like 2010 2011 is like you know you're such an experienced actor at this point like what's your kind of white whale what's the thing that you know what's the fucking what's the what's top of the mountain no that's the thing i mean i don't even know man like i i've I've been finding it's, it's been like a interesting time now um like recently i've i've and i've never really done this before and it's kind of the scariest thing but like been saying no to a couple of things um yeah and things that would would pretty make my life a lot more comfortable um but i don't i don't think i like know what the thing is but i know that it's i've not seen it yet you know what i mean like i i or whatever the, like the next step is um but in terms of in terms of really the pinnacle i think I think my weaknesses is are kind of in uh, mimicry. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I love everything Philip Seymour Hoffman did, um, and the fact, like his performance in Capote. I don't know if you've seen it, but like it's so effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just like it's really, really good. And it's like Amazing. his voice is not what his voice is. All of those things, and yet there's like just pure truth in it. And I think that just from a technical element and all of those things, and like gaining mastery over your physicality. And your voice to the point where it becomes unconscious because you can't really give a performance like that that good and be in the driver's seat. Uh, like I think he would have drilled it the same way that, uh, you know, like a classical pianist will like learn a piece and learn it so well that they can just sit there and let it happen. Um, I think that just takes... That it becomes kind of subconscious yeah. like, and it just yeah. takes place. Um, and he was so good in that oh, movie, man. man. And such a strange pick because... Yeah. 
he just doesn't look anything like Truman Capote <laughs> no. at all. Like, yeah, like, not even slightly. No. Like, there's no correlation no. <laughs> between them. And it's gas because now I think of Truman Capote and I'm like, yeah, that's him. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It looks like he somehow managed to become him. Yeah. Um, and that's the fascinating challenge, isn't it? Like, what's a good enough, you know, who's a good enough character for that? Or who's right. a good enough? I guess as a writer, you kind of have similar things that you have, like maybe stories that you want to tell or something or that's kind of like. Yeah. What's your what? I mean, what would your kind of mm. what is it? Magnus Opum? Magnus. <laughs> is that it? Magnus, Magnus Opum? I, I, I think it is. Yeah, Magnus <laughs> Opum. I think that's a different thing. But uh, yeah, Magnum Opus, man. I don't know if I found it yet, to be honest. I have tons of stuff like my first stage play. Should be going on in Belfast now in 2022. Oh man, uh, no way! In the Mac, hopefully. Unreal. That's I shouldn't have said that. That's not supposed to. That's be funny. Get anyway. out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is it. It's a safe space. But um, oh, man, I'd so yeah, hopefully it. that'll be on. Man, I yeah, I'd love to send it to you. And it's okay. just like a good. It's about like Dublin, really, <laughs> very much in the bones of Dublin, and set between the hours of seven to ten on a rollover, waiting for the AFO. Incredible. Based on Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot. Amazing. So it's just like this tragedy, basically. Oh, man. It's so Off it's just like but, us after like I'm not going to say any of the, but after just too too much yeah, session and you've and, been in that situation <laughs> numerous times. Philosophizing, it gets pretty, it gets pretty <laughs> Gatto like a point. Certainly does, man. That was the car. I mean, I was reading Gatto really hungover, and oh, I was like, man. why is this so familiar to me? I was like, Jesus. this is just like what I was doing last night. That's incredible. But, um, wow, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I really. It just been dying to put it on like because we originally i'd written it in like 2019 and uh we had all the money for it to put it on and then the pandemic happened completely cancelled oh, couldn't do anything like we got selected for the dublin fringe festival that was cancelled couldn't do it there oh, so it's been a a bit of a tragic saga all of those things are kind of amazing anyway though that's like that's unreal man well I mean, it's got a bit of a story to it at this point. Yeah. I also got that monk haircut. I don't know if you saw that no. on the internet. Oh, but... my God. So you're in it as well? Uh, no, this was part of the fundraising okay. effort. Yeah. <laughs> to get the money. Well, so obviously, I didn't give I you any money, did I? <laughs> man, uh, I I think it was just for the to get the monk haircut that people funded it. Right, like, right. They didn't care about the play. They just wanted, like... So for the whole of lockdown, I had this fucking monk haircut. Oh, my God. And like, I had to go shopping in Tesco with it, with no like way. a bowl that's in the nice. middle. Everybody was just like, you've lost your Jesus, mind. That's man. amazing. Well, that's good. Cool. That's suffering for your art. There you go. Nobody it's can... Cert- I mean, I put my body on the line, oh, like yeah. my hair up. I didn't know if it was going to grow back. But wow. um, I have that. I mean, I have loads of stuff I wanted. Like, yeah. there was an incident with me and my dad which is just like it's when it happened i was like this is gonna be a movie mm-hmm. and it's gonna be huge and it's gonna be like a fucking classic like because we went over to my my uncle died and we had to go collect his van from france basically and me and my dad went over and they were kind of holding it in an impound lot and we were only supposed to be there for 24 hours we ended up there for like three and a half days like Missed boats, had tires blow up oh on the motorway, <laughs> nearly got arrested by French police. Like, we're, like oh. it just, I, I'm still in therapy from it. To be honest, <laughs> but like, I was just like, this is ever everything that went wrong. Like, I've never seen anything like in my life. But I was like, I don't even know how this is oh happening. Like everything, like the car went, the clutch went, the brakes went, <laughs> the tire blew up. Like we were driving it through France and we couldn't stop. So we had to just drive. And then like my dad was using the handbrake coming up to roundabouts oh and shit. God. And you just smell it burn. It was like driving like a big sailing boat. 
and it would just be like leaning around this mat. Like the van was worth about six hundred quid. We ended say, up spending like, like two and a half grand <laughs> to get it back, just because of uh, all the oh shenanigans. But like, I would love to do that because yeah. it was just so funny and like good father son stuff and like kind that. of just a bit of spirit to it. Yeah. But um, and also I want to ask like, you as well. Sorry, go for it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that. Like, I love stories like that. The, the structure is kind of embedded in it. It's like you've got you've got a very clear, simple <laughs> task. You got to get from A to You're B. Like, just don't fuck it up. Yeah. Just get it right. It'll be fine. Yeah. I know. But I was going to ask you because your dad's an actor as well, yeah. isn't it? Something a frequent topic of the podcast for some reason that comes dads. up is dads yeah. and people. Um, one of the guys, Tag Beckett, who's an artist. Uh-huh. His dad was an actor and like really inspired him you know, eating razor blades and yeah. doing like escapism on the Pat Kenny show and stuff. It was so I funny when I listened to that. Did that inspire you? Uh, oh, did you hear it? Yeah. Man, yeah. This outrageous story. Like, I know. And you know, I, I used to do a lot of magic when I was a kid, which is also weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're like, I'm right. You're the yeah, you're that's... weird fucker doing magic in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, it fucking worked out, man. You should do more. I think it's fucking, apparently it does the job. Like. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, I think my, my dad, being an actor, it's kind of one of those things where you, I think when when I was younger, I was like, you know, there's not really much correlation between those two things. It was, I definitely got into it because I think he had like an agent in Ireland. And obviously that's like, I was gr- living there and growing up there. And uh, they just kind of put me on the books being like, yeah, sure. If anything comes up for a kid. Um, and then I did like a Vodafone ad and like, if you, you know, like a few like little things. Um, but I think definitely I used to spend summers when I was probably like nine to like 12 or 13 um, in this place in Southwold, uh, this like summer theater in, in the UK. And I remember just like hanging out with all these like actors and, and actresses who were just so much crack. And there was like so yeah. much love as well between all the people and and like they, I don't know, they treated me like I was like thirty. You know, there was no, it was mad. It was <laughs> yeah. like my first experience. Of like I was like, wow, this is nuts. And uh, it was like, there's no rules. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I drank them all under the table. No, yeah, <laughs> dude, typical English. You know, one Irish child. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that definitely had a had a bearing on it. And um, and he was also. Yeah, always, just always like very supportive, and and so was my mum in in terms of going out and doing probably the least responsible or one of them jobs you can do. <laughs> yeah, man, child actor. I mean, the usually the results can be yeah, you know, tenuous. Like, but it seems like you kind of got into it for the right reasons. Like, in that you were, you know, yeah, maybe not like in a weird position where you're one of those kids that gets like driven up, thrown in somewhere oh to God. like, yeah. You know, no, that I was feel like thing. that would be. It was a nice balance of like because I remember when I was like fourteen, I was like, "Oh no, I never want to do this again." Not really into it. Don't like doing the auditions and stuff. And they were like, "Yeah, go on." And then when I wanted to start again, they're like, "Yeah, go on, go for it." You know, so it was that was that was nice to never feel like I had to do it for anyone else's approval or anything like that. Um, yeah, that's really good, man. It reminds me of I was thinking of. Did you ever see in uh, Bruno when they have all the? Oh my Sasha God. Baron Cohen one when he has a, and he's like, "Is your child okay with bees?" He's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely." He's like, what about heavy machinery? 
It's like talking about giving them liposuction and everything. You're like, oh my god, this is like yeah next level that's gas but yeah um mm. but no thankfully they were they were very supportive and my dad you know he, he would like do audition tapes with me and stuff and because there's a lot of there's a lot of like shit that you do behind the scenes that it kind of on the surface looks like you know a pretty glamorous job and there's definitely some huge perks and you most of the time you get you know to spend your time the way you want to i think that's one of the most valuable things about it to me is that Apart from when you're on four months on a shoot and you're working six day weeks, when you're off, you're, you're locked in. Yeah, you're pretty off and you get to, like, my day kind of revolves around waking up and working on a character, working on auditions for a scene, but it's kind of, yeah, there's, there's like a lot of freedom in it. Um, but on the other hand, it's like a brutal industry. <laughs> it can be. It's and, brutal. And yeah, and it's, uh, you know, very intense and very, like, there's a lot that comes along with it, yeah. I suppose. But. Also, I mean, the perks are, yeah. you know, yeah. if and you get you're to good travel. at it and you can survive um, and travel and, yeah. I remember, I think the, when I did a, when I did the play, that that's when I was like, this is, that, it was like one of the most intense, because I was doing an audiobook at the same time, so I'd like go from, oh, nice. yeah, and this was like six months. Um, audiobooks are rough, man. I did some recordings did. of them before and it's like exhausting. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, that was, mm. and I was just like, talking non-stop it was um so i didn't really know what i was getting into i remember i was i was like in the dressing room i just booked a holiday to ibiza um and i was like my agent was like oh do you want to do this audiobook and i was like yeah great like do two jobs at once and then go on holiday yeah. perfect and uh <laughs> and then so i agreed to it, send it through and then she's like yeah it's for ulysses james joyce's ulysses oh for <laughs> fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh my and god I was, like, I was like yeah great no, wow. no worries i've definitely heard of it i've heard it's a you know it's a bit of a read or whatever <laughs> i'm not really a big reader either i mean i try to a little bit more that now is... but was not i mean i couldn't even read the fucking harry potter books when i was growing <laughs> up so this was i don't know who signed me up for it or like what but it was it was just uh, me and that's a like a practical joke like no, yeah it you was, were being punked by yeah somebody. it was like a joke that became like a lot less funny every day <laughs> <laughs> man uh, did you enjoy it like did you get into the old unit i did i i at first i think i had two weeks to prep it and um and then i think it was 10 sessions to record it in or something Maybe more. Maybe it turned oh, into man. Like that must have been a lot because, like, there it's a big book. Yeah, like, it's it was it was eighty pages like a day, I think. And we did that. Like the edited version is thirty six hours. Um, and I don't know. I, it was mental. I don't know why they got me to do it, but like your vocal cords must be like yeah. ripped after that. Fully. <laughs> I mean, I remember so much because it was just me and a producer, and and thankfully she was in. I mean, incredibly uh, bright and and. Um, and newer stuff but i was kind of like I'd, I'd prep you'd have you'd have to read it before you went in so i prepped the 80 pages before each session and then um <laughs> we're just like tried, what the fuck yeah, is going on like, like spark nuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what is this but i also made the mistake Man. of the first day um i even still remember like the opening of it i was like come up pinch you fearful jesuit up here and help this and, and i did like a voice for all of them and i was like Stephen Dedalus. by the end of it i was like fuck I should not have done any different voices. <laughs> I was like losing my mind. I'd literally be on the bus and I'd be like, oh, that person has a voice that I've not really done. I'll try and put that in. Because I literally would run Man. out of people and then they'd all start talking to each other 
and I have to make like voice notes to myself of like who that person is and who the other which voice and there's so many people man, man this lot. is such a nerdy inside such a nerdy story to be in on but like <laughs> for, from no, from having read Ulysses and having tried oh, God, to yeah. narrate audiobooks before like that is just Whoa. outrageous so like, how did you find it that's um, I can't believe uh, that's amazing mm. that you've you've done it I read it yeah I mean James Joyce is my favourite writer right him and Hemingway are like I mean I like his other books more to be honest uh-huh. like Dubliners Dubliners is, like, is amazing fucking beautiful so they gave man. that one to Andrew Ulysses. Scott because they knew no one would fucking listen to him <laughs> that, damn it that, that was, he got the soft deal on it but Ulysses like I I kind of I read Ulysses just to say I'd read Ulysses and just right. like to get it done and be like fair enough and some bits of it you're like this is like either the most genius thing I've ever yeah. read in my entire life and I'm just too dumb and yeah. I don't get it and the whole like put what is it if it's a gate or if you can put five fingers through mm-hmm. it, it's a gate if you can't it's a door yeah. and like just this crazy poetry yeah. that was just like mad and then other bits you're just like what is he talking about like apparently when he was writing it he'd like write letters to people to be like can you describe the ground outside of your mother's shed from like the he just did he was obsessed with it like he was going blind as well when he was writing it like he was and um it wasn't particularly i mean it was i think it was kind of well received but like it was a long shot like he was really putting a lot on the line a lot of people just didn't get it a lot of people were like fuck I don't know if you've seen Finnegan's Wake the book he wrote after it I couldn't even get like begin to, to like no <laughs> I read the first like three pages yeah. I was like what the fuck is this like, like it's <laughs> too much I mean there's because that uh, what I found with Ulysses was like it was um, and I I don't know if I would have been able to do it without uh, kind of reading people's analysis of each chapter as well while i was doing it because that that definitely because you have to understand the story as well don't you to kind of play the characters yeah exactly well that's the thing like when you're reading it out loud you kind of if you don't understand it it it, you can hear that someone's just saying the words and and like there was points that were like impenetrable so you just kind of had to just fucking say it and just like just try and make it like quick enough that like people will man i'm so listen. glad we stumbled into this this is like i think my favorite anecdote that i've had in the podcast like this man you should get a black belt or something for having to go through that like but it's funny it's i mean it's there it's just like deal. it's um yeah it's the, it's like the penguin one as well which is which is mad but i don't know i, I don't know if like many people have listened to it i like but yeah. I, I remember when we did the final um you know like molly bloom's kind of monologue which is incredible yeah. like it's so that, like which is no no go sorry go mad. yeah um you know that's all while he's getting a hand job on the beach yeah in like yeah or something. yeah and he's like man that i mean that jesus christ that scene was uh that's nuts he's looking over what is her name gertie and uh and i was like oh what's the fireworks about ah that's he's 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 masturbating. <laughs> He's masturbating. <laughs> oh, I see. But it's so beautifully it's written. Yeah. And so, no, exactly. it, but it is just like an, a, a really like 15, 20 page wank joke. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And, and it, it's because like, um, every chapter is like a different uh, uh, like literary style. And that one, he's yeah. he's parodying the kind of, I guess, what now would be like YA fiction, like the kind of yeah. the like teen romance novels, which is like just another <laughs> layer, layer of like fucking... Man, I didn't even get that. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. just like, I don't... I mean, I guess and if you haven't read like yeah. 1950s YA 50s, novels... Like, <laughs> Victorian love letters. Yeah. Like. But he... Um, the interesting... Yeah, he that one he was trying to make, like capture a day in Dublin mm-hmm. as well. I know he based it obviously on Ulysses and yeah. that it has this kind of universal thing. But Joyce is really into that where it was like... The, the objective and the subjective, like trying to get the mythological from the Absolutely. individual 
in like the most benign place ever, which was yeah. Dublin for him. Like it feels like um, a really desperate attempt to put on paper what what it feels like to be alive and what it like in this very moment, like what it feels like now. That like the thing that is like intangible, yes. you can't really hold on to it or or, or get it. And he, yeah. I don't know, like with language, he's trying to do it and it 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 failed. Like it doesn't, he can't. And and I feel like that's why it's so annoying at points because he. He goes into like pomposity and like fifteen pages on something that's like fucking irrelevant because he's like trying <sighs> to show it. I mean, like the last chapter was like the only thing that kind of really that I was like, okay, this is worth all of this ordeal. When when he goes <laughs> all of this, this misery yeah. and suffering when, to get to this. I, like, I mean, the last chapter, I, the 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 like um, Molly Bloom one where she's where she's in bed and like he says he's, he's having a getting a tug and uh, in British or whatever. <laughs> he. Um, it's it's like unpunctuated obviously and it's like all her and I tried to do it in one yeah, go extreme. and I passed out in the booth <laughs> because <laughs> I couldn't take breaths enough <laughs> like, oh my god yeah. like, this is man anybody who wants to be an actor this is what happens like, this is, like that is so intense um, man you know Carl Jung read it and he wrote a letter him and Joyce were kind of because James Joyce's daughter had schizophrenia yes yeah and she tried to get, he tried to get um, Young to treat her. Oh, wow. But Young had read it and he's, there's a book review out there if people are interested no. of Carl Young reviewing Ulysses, just basically saying, what the fuck is this? Oh my <laughs> he's God. like, he's like, I'm a supposedly sane psychiatrist and this melted my brain. Oh, wow. That's you amazing. Are, it's, it's pretty cool. Weird correlation, but. Oh my God, I gotta um, find that. Yeah. It's a, and have you ever read James Joyce's love letters there? Man. Oh, yeah. There, real. Yeah, he's into some <laughs> impressive. I know he's into some real <laughs> shit, <laughs> some crazy stuff. Which wow. is always funny because you think of people from history as being all like, I don't know, well buttoned down Completely. and mannerly and stuff. But Joyce yeah, was there a was, man. There was some was... real, real like mad shit. I almost feel like I was. Someone was talking about this to me the other day. Like I, I kind of wonder, like, have we become more conservative? Even though, even though, like on the surface, you know, we have kind of. I guess you know nothing against the Kardashians or whatever, but you know we we we've become like on the surface quite like a hypersexualized society, and yet I don't get the sense from many of my mates. I mean, like I don't know, like no one's you know there's not like a sexual liberation that feels like it's uh, reflected by what's actually kind of like yeah, and that kind of like maybe that it's all kind of like tucked away or mm. kind of like I suppose it would have been in his time as well, but like. There seemed to be a real reading those love letters. You're like, man, this dude's a fucking. Yeah, <laughs> like, he was some wild shit. Like he's like dying for this. Like, yeah, no, it's <laughs> mad. It's mad. Like he's yeah, he's got his yeah. he's got his thing as well. He's after. I, I don't know. We're also like speaking in code because it's just like so weird. Yeah, but. I mean, look it up. I don't know if this is PG thirteen. You can find it for yourself out there. But um, but I think that's and something you hit on there. The like the stream of consciousness. The like trying to find out what it what it was like to be a human yeah. being at that time. That's so fascinating to me. Like yeah. that's the whole reason I got into writing was to try and do that. Wow. To try and like just communicate what it's like to be a person at like a certain period of time and make sense of it. And I, I feel like with technology and stuff, that's going to get even weirder, man. I'm working on this, the metaverse thing at the mm. moment, uh, doing some like content writing, copywriting for uh, this conference called enter the metaverse, oh, man. which people can check out. That's going to be cool. But like, the possibilities with that are like, like you could 
use AI to crunch all of James Joyce and then create like an avatar of him. And we'll probably just be able to talk to him at some point and ask him like, what was going on? Like, what was, yeah, what was up with that? Like, oh, man. that's crazy. Things are getting so weird. They really like. are. And I think we're 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 so much closer to the the edge of. I mean, do you know that Ray Kurzweil singularity is near? That's. Uh, I think that was like a big Jason Silva thing as well. And and he was. I mean, he wrote that what like 10, 20 years ago, maybe. Um, and a lot of a lot of the stuff has has kind of come true. Like I think I don't know how how big do you think the uh, like the Zuckerberg announcement was with the metaverse? Yeah, I mean that's pretty. I mean it's massive, really, yeah. isn't it? Like I don't know how much of it is to deflect away from the bad press they've right. been having with like the Facebook files and the whistleblower and stuff. But also, I mean the metaverse thing. Like the more I learn about it, the more I'm just like, holy shit, yeah. this is going to be like. The new, like, you think the iPhone was big? Yeah. This is going to be way bigger than that, yeah. Because like, it's, it's not going to be just as simple as like a kind of a virtual world that people go into. Like, it'll have its own economy, and it will have like the ability to own property, like NFTs and cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. and you interact with it and earn a living. And you'll have like, you know, there's the possibilities of it are so strange, man. That I mean, I'm okay with next it 20 years as long now. as it doesn't leave you with <laughs> yeah. that sort of like numb, empty, yeah. void feeling that you have after you've scrolled through social media. Existential yeah. dread. Like, yeah. Well, that's it. That's the problem of VR, man, because it, it gives people existential dread oh, after a period of time. I had like, to stop. I had I had like one of the Oculus really? goes, and it just uh, yeah. It, no way. It, it, it also is just like too intense. Like fighting zombies on it, like. That's yeah. you're really fighting zombies. Like you really feel <laughs> like you're you're like sympathetic nervous or whatever like that is. Like too real. Yeah, it is. It's it, that's a good point. It's man. mad. And I mean, I, I feel the same way it. about. I remember like somebody somebody booked uh, tickets to a 4D movie the other day, and it was one yeah. of the worst experiences of had in my life. <laughs> Not just because I was hungover for it. It was like it was it was bad. Yeah. Like when somebody gets right. punched, you get like punched in the back. Uh, when <laughs> when there's like so it's shit so like you came up with no it. and it's it, like, it's not immersive either like it doesn't make you feel like whoa like i'm really in the action like when water you know when you're in like a water scene it splashes you with yeah, water so like squirts yeah, it, it, yeah man it's it's terrible you just like end up with like wet i don't know if that's quite what 40 is i know either. like yeah, i don't know if that's like that's <laughs> like it's got like a scratchy pad a and a smelly rubber <laughs> Yeah, it's like you can smell the movie, and that's like, man, no. it's funny. I did that before this podcast. I put on deodorant, and I was like, "What am I doing?" Like, I podcast. Like, I always do that. Like, brush my teeth before a podcast. I'm like, "What am I fucking?" It makes this? you feel but good. Like, like, you go in, you're like, you know what? I'm ready. It's just it makes yeah. I can do this now. I should have done but the same. But that's it. with the Oculus that you had. So it was one of the VR ones, like the glasses, and then yeah. kind of like controllers. See what they're talking about now. I mean, there was those Google glasses. Yeah. What I've been looking at with the the latest Facebook stuff is like similar to the Google Glasses type thing, but it's like you can see the world, but then the virtual Augmented. world is overlaid right, on it. Right. So it's like Google Maps, but you'd see in front of you yeah. like a red line and you'd follow that red line. Yeah. And like you'd be able, it's like Pokemon Go kind of, but another kind of layer of it where you'll have, you know, you could just have your digital display you'd be in your google docs and you'll just press stuff and you'll say mm-hmm. things if you want to type something you'll just speak out loud like you wouldn't need hardware anymore jesus like screens and stuff would become outdated basically I, I, it's just like what it's mad that mm. there's not uh such kind of public 
conversations about uh, the morality, of, like you know, or like just like the the rules of yeah. it. Like, where do we go? I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be like <laughs> no. that Black Mirror episode, but you know, if you can see somebody's social media following when they're walking down the street, that takes away. There's it, there's just like such a danger in in the value system that we've yeah. been placing on people in terms of that, and then having that be like Man. instantly accessible. Um, Always terrifying. and how the basis of our i mean we haven't really thought about that like that's the other work i've been doing with uh, tcu on the ethics of social media companies mm-hmm. monetizing attention and like the problems that that's caused is just we have no idea what that's done to particularly younger people like mm-hmm. our generation we kind of just missed it maybe but people who have grown up in that world that's their value system yeah. and it's been made to sell them things i mean it feels like yeah <laughs> like, like like we're we're kind of the generation that when we were like you know, twenty. Someone's like, "Hey, man, you want to try this? This shit's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's really yeah. good." Hey, and you're like, you know, we spend our lives kind of being like, "Oh fuck, I got back on it, but no, it's fine. I'll get back." <laughs> These kids have just been mainlining it their entire. Honestly, lives. they're like crack babies. Yeah. Like we really did not no. think that one through at all. And sure, that was big zuck. Like so, yeah. I don't know. Watching that metaverse thing, man, I was in two minds about it because I think the metaverse thing is really, really interesting, mm-hmm. but also. I think he's doing it as a way of just being the first one through the door. Yeah. Like Facebook will have the most real estate to take that over. And then they just, they're kind of the authority of the metaverse. Yeah. Because if it's Web3 and it's decentralized, there won't be an authority like that. It'll be built by the people that use it, basically. So whoever's in the community builds it. Right. And that's kind of the arms race wow. that's happening. I Do think. you think that's a more, like, it would be it would be kind of a more optimistic future for us? Yeah, it seems more democratic yeah. anyway. I mean, that's kind of the problem with Web 2.0 at the moment is the gatekeepers, mm-hmm. Google and Facebook kind of run everything. You have this, the issues of privacy, people being the, you know, that we're the product rather than the user. And Web 3.0 seems to solve a lot of those. It's still, I think, too complex for people. I think there's like 10 million people or something with wallets for right. like cryptocurrencies and stuff. So it hasn't really gone fully mainstream but there's a lot of interest in being like do you know naval ravikant the angel investor um there's so many memes with him and like always his quotes are posted everywhere is he he, he's on rogan oh is is he responsible for like a coin or anything no yeah i think there is actually a naval coin but um he's this kind of like silicon valley philosopher oh wow he did a podcast with Tim Ferriss recently on it mm-hmm. that was really good. And another guy, Chris Dixon, where he's just like, this is the, this thing is happening right now. And this is the thing, like, this is going right. to be, this is going to make the other revolutions look like, <laughs> you know, warm ups basically. Wow. Um, and the big issue seems to be like government interference or like, you know, nobody just, nobody really understands it yet. No. It's still kind of ongoing, but. Yeah, the whole of the internet so far could just be a warm-up for what the hell is going to come next. I mean, I'm not surprised. Is... It's funny that we're always surprised. Like, every time we're surprised, we always yeah. think we're at the pinnacle. We think we're there. And then we look yeah. back and laugh at, like, what people thought. You know, like, you look at a fax machine and you're <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you fucking idiot. You thought that was cool? Like, but, you know, like, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, we're looking at this sort of, like, 2D, text-based thing that you've got to scroll. Like, 
it actually, it, like when you put it into the perspective of something like the metaverse, I can totally imagine my kids being like, <laughs> and when I'm like, no, seriously, that was the, that, the iPhone 13. That was like the height of the shit. That was awesome. That was it, yeah. man. They're going to have like, like stranger things. Like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're going to have like nostalgic TV shows where people are like, whoa, look at that. Hey. People on iPhones. That's going to yeah. be, that will be too old by then. That'll be yeah. when you're just like, man, I have... <laughs> I've outlived this whole thing. Yeah, like, I'm good. <laughs> fucking ancient. <laughs> but, yeah, man, it's a weird world. And the more I'm learning about it, the more I'm like, what is going to happen? Like, no, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have this, uh, this podcast and, and a couple of others to, to keep up to date. Cause I could not be doing the research myself, but thanks for doing it. Listen, man, that's, that's the third party information. Let the buyer beware. <laughs> <laughs> like, I put all my money in the metaverse. It's shit. <laughs> Man Don't told me. Do a, <laughs> yeah, sure it's going to be big. <laughs> fucking salesman for the metaverse. But um, I do genuinely, I mean, there's, it's still kind of probably in the stage where it's like stuff's going to happen so much. So like the first people are going to be like, probably not right. work out. And then the next ones and so on. Have you heard of like the play to earn model? Yes. Like Axie yes. Infinity. And, and, that's kind of going already, right? In in some that's got people are earning livings yeah. playing these video games now i've got a friend like, uh who's just like next level genius developer um and he's kind of one of the only people at the moment making nfts that are playable uh and i'm surprised oh. yeah and he's he, i mean he's got a whole oh. game i mean you should chat to this guy he's oh. he's amazing that man. is sick um, man i'll have to yeah but yeah he's kind of like ahead of the curve in terms of that and i think that's that's the only way it's going to go, uh, I think. In you know, and when they become usable, like you say, like in the metaverse, when you can actually flex with your, I don't know, stupid like sixty thousand dollar piece of art, twenty five million dollar yeah. monkey picture. Yeah. <laughs> He's a baller. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> this guy's big bucks. But that's so interesting that a playable NFT because yeah. that's what your man Naval was saying that. Technically, I mean, you look at it as a JPEG or something, but it's it's just as functional as a website. Like it can be built right. on and it can be developed, but you own the property rights. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's funny basically that, owning a piece of the internet. Yeah, because right? Second Life kind of did that, right? Like, do you remember that? that was yeah, that this guy, Philip, Philip Rosedale was the guy that did it. Ah. Um, he's actually speaking at this conference, right. the Enter the Metaverse one. No way. Um, so I'm very excited to hear from him because wow. um, he's still doing stuff like he's still working on the metaverse that's crazy. after the second life thing because um, i don't know if that's still got i'm sure there's some like niche people still I think it's using it but still hanging on yeah as far as i know i mean i knew a guy who super... literally made he was a magician but he made like all his money yeah. selling sex toys on it <laughs> really? virtual yep man what and he was making a killing <laughs> he was dude that's like you know your parents tell you not to do these things, but the jobs nowadays are going to get real weird. I like know, you got to, you got to do something like collect JPEGs, <laughs> sell them online for twenty million. Like. It's crazy. You know, actually, one of the drivers on uh, the last film I did, he was he was really into crypto, and we'd like talk about it to and from work. And he wanted to, and I've just seen that they're now doing it, so I guess I'm not giving away his idea. But he wanted to do a whole film that was kind of funded by crypto, but then like each scene is an NFT. Um, and you can, because oh, Tarantino's selling uncut uh, scenes from Pulp Fiction as NFTs. Um, and there was the NBA Man. thing where you could like buy the shots. Like you get like, you know, a slam dunk from Michael Jordan is like worth. It's like, what does that mean? Like, how can you own <laughs> you, like, 
I own this yeah. Michael Jordan slam dunk from it's like, mad. That desire to 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 have ownership over things like that. Like I think that's a real product of where we've come in in society and we've been told for long enough. I can't remember who I was, who was talking about like the cult of individuality. Like we we saw ourselves as more of a society apparently like in kind of the 50s and stuff and then because of advertising it was much easier to sell people things when you sort of made them you you place more value on their individuality and like you know this is how you express your individuality like you buy more of the shit and you, whatever it is and uh and yeah just just the fact that like now it's come to a point where it's like i want to own that i don't want to just experience it i don't want to like watch it and enjoy it with other people yeah. i want to own it and when you ask who owns that one of the shot, it's me. <laughs> it's, it's me, it's bro. So and I paid 11 million for yeah. it and I don't regret anything. Like, But that's it. I mean, it's either going to go one way or the other. It's either going to be like those people are so far ahead of the curve and they inherit the earth or they've done the dumbest thing ever and nobody's going to care. And they're going to be like, dude, you made some bad investment yeah. moves. <laughs> but I, I, I really can't tell at this point no, it feels, what it's it, going to be. It feels like it's all on that kind of... Uh, that that tipping point right like it's just the deciding time even in terms of crypto and stuff i feel like it's um yep i mean i hope to fluctuating God, up and down and like <laughs> yeah yeah who knows we'll make this podcast an nft anyway we'll sell it. hell yeah Good. <laughs> yeah <laughs> invest now bye 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 they're gonna be huge bye. 25 million but i just yeah man this has been a fascinating conversation I it's been great it, man. thanks thanks so much for for having us um and uh what's next for you what's the so, yeah. portable door so next yeah so there's uh, next year there's going to be the two films coming out that the one uh in la we finally got to finish in march this year um yeah. and it was that was probably the most like exciting shoot just like creatively that that i've been involved in um and i think Sorry. that's going to be january next year that that's coming out and then portable door kind of midway through next year um and so, then yeah there's a few things that like working on but i don't know if i'm allowed to say them yet if it's all street legal yeah (laughs) but man i i really hope we can do this again sometime definitely yeah so much crack and i'll keep listening thanks for thanks for having me man really appreciate it appreciate it brother and uh keep facing that fear (laughs) hell yeah keep that flow going (laughs) this is no budget joe rogan let's go (laughs) boat I hope you enjoyed that podcast and the chat that myself and Paddy had. Uh, if you want to follow along with the podcast, click follow on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you're going. Follow me on Instagram at man underscore McCann and stay in touch. We've got some seriously exciting chats coming up with some top flight thinkers, um, people at the forefront of their fields, and we're going to keep addressing these deep problems for personal growth and development. So hope to see you all there. Boat.